Alright, welcome in to the 2023 Fantastics Fantasy Award. It is our Season 3 finale here on the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast. I'm Dan Claskins. Along with James Adams, today we're going to dive into what was a great season of 2023. We hope that you end up winning some fantasy leagues out there, and we helped you get there by listening to the podcast. But uh, this is our final podcast of the season. We're going to be over on Sirius XM Fantasy all throughout January on weekend mornings, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. And you can definitely uh, keep up with the podcast. We'll be doing our baseball stuff soon over at InsiderBaseball.com and the Draft Advisor tool coming out there. But James, fantasy titles have been won, my friend. And uh, looking back, what a crazy and wild season 2023 really was. It, It was. I mean, I mean, my goodness, from the absolute shake up at the top of the, of the like way we were drafting, right? All of a sudden this was the year where quarterback matters and we all have to go get a quarterback earlier than we're used to in drafts. And then what happens? Quarterbacks get hurt left and right and right and left. And uh, I mean, so many different quarterbacks on fantasy championship lineups that weren't even drafted on draft day. Heck, maybe in some instances weren't even in the NFL on draft day. Yeah, it was a crazy year, man. It was a lot of fun. It was uh it, it, I, I think the best way I could encapsulate is as um, my buddy's league. I was seven and seven, and I led the league in points. That's just the kind of year it was. You could you could be the points champ, but you were still five hundred. That it was just a crazy year. Oh my goodness, it is crazy, and it, I mean every year has a certain level of craziness. Fantasy football, at the end of the day, as much time as we spend talking about it and researching and following the process and doing it, it does often come quite better down to luck as well, and. Here's the thing, man. No matter how it goes, you can't kick yourself over decisions or things that you could have done. But James, lessons learned. We've been playing this stuff for three plus decades now. And uh, every season there's lessons learned. And it's interesting because you speak of quarterback. And that was one of the top lessons on my list here. And depth is key, especially at quarterback. We've seen it this year. And you look at all the different formats we play. I know in best ball, people usually go after quarterbacks a little bit more. But Definitely getting some of that depth. Maybe we maybe we make best ball leagues a little deeper here. Maybe that's a memo to take out for all of our providers out there. Give us a little bit more depth. We need to have some backup quarterbacks. Maybe we go to team quarterback in some of the shallower best balls. I don't know what the answer is. And it's not just best ball, but dude, I look at the top 10 quarterbacks <laughs> in fantasy points. Uh, and as much as people talked about, oh, the quarter, big quarterbacks didn't prevail. I mean, it's still Allen Hurts Jackson at the top. Your guy Dax at number four. Yeah, we all thought Patrick Mahomes would be number one, but he's still QB seven. So, you know, five or six of the names were guys we had in the top eight. We weren't terribly wrong. You have Tua Tagovailoa in there and Jared Goff and Brock Purdy. Those were all were upside guys. Purdy would have been ranked a lot higher if he would have had the definitive job all summer. Because if you actually oh, yeah, look at absolutely. if you actually look at ADP in the last ten days of the season compared to like the whole offseason, Brock Purdy's ADP soared as it should have. Still a great value at QB five, but depth is key, my friend. That was one of the biggest lessons, obviously, in a year of injury. And we talked about it, uh, you know, on our, our radio show with some of the different guests too. Is like this year. I mean, yeah, we like to say that draft is. We always say it's never won on draft day, but it, there's no doubt you set up yourself for success. But this year, more than any, James, you had to work that waiver wire too. You did, but I mean, I can tell you though, there was still, uh, you know, when I looked at the the top of some of these leaderboards, right? It was a sprinkling in of some of these waiver wire pickups. We'll we'll talk about, but a lot of big name talent hitting on those early draft picks is definitely a thing too. I, I'll tell you, 
Dan, maybe my biggest lesson learned, and I think maybe we all got caught up at you and I, Bengals fans, got caught up in what was going to be this massive Week 17, drafting to get myself squared away for Week 17. I wasn't drafting to get Dak and C.D. Lamb against the Lions in Week 17 when that ended up being what everybody wanted to get a piece of or, you know, people were talking about, hey, I don't know if you want to draft Lamar because he's got a late bye week in some of these higher stakes leagues. You'll you'll miss him in the playoffs. Nobody was talking about those players. We were talking about we got to get all these Bengals, all these Chiefs. We got to have Mahomes and Kelsey and the Bengals uh, trio of uh, passing game with Burrow and, and his two receivers. How did that play out? Uh, my biggest lesson learned was, Let's not look so much into these Week 17 matchups, a, a pitfall that I found myself getting into uh, a little bit too much this preseason. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, we've always, I mean, we do use schedule a little bit, but like just trying to pin it all on one week, it's one thing to say, all right, over the course of 17 games, this they've got a B schedule, right? Versus, mm-hmm. hey, in Week 17, they've got a great opponent, right? Because I think I got, a- I got swept up in that. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think schedule, you don't want to overvalue it, but you should, awareness of it is key. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think the larger the sample size of schedule you're looking at, what's favorable versus non-favorable, but teams change things even where rosters don't change. Things change year to year. Injuries are so, so many variables. But uh, stacking is still a good thing, though, James. Stacking uh, for those bigger tournament things, especially mm-hmm. in some of these best ball manias and things like that. Uh, but, you know, you got to have diversity, right? And I think that's always something good to consider, uh, along with some other lessons learned. How about good running backs and how hard they are to come by? I mean, sure, there was Christian McCaffrey, and we know, you know, Raheem Moser, Kyron Williams, these big name guys that came in. We'll talk about some of these guys in our awards. But overall, James, I mean, just getting studly running backs to be able to give you points and points out per game. If, if you take away those top, three guys I just mentioned, McCaffrey, Mostert, and Kyron Williams, and two of those guys were either undrafted or double-digit round dudes. The number of uh, uh, running backs in the upper part of the draft that just didn't deliver or at least separate themselves from the pack. Because from, I'll tell you this, from in half-point PPR points through week 17, we've essentially got t- uh, the difference between Travis at ETN at RB4 or actually, let me let me resort this so I can even say it better. If we look at just fantasy points per game, we'll even bring in the injured guys, the injury players, the guys that didn't even play all games, and just look at a half point PPR points per game. You get to Jameer Gibbs at RB five is fourteen point nine. Dude, you can go down to like RB twenty five and not even have three less points. It's just this huge pack of pair of just. Not that great. Nobody really stands out. It truly is a week-by-week thing. You just don't have that consistency that we had in the past. I do think I'll continue to get drunk on wide receiver again next year because of that. Now, I'm going to try to identify some anchor running backs because last year my teams were a little bit better than this year because I hit on the anchor running backs, which I did not do so well this season. But I can tell you, I mean, looking at uh, you know looking at the top of leaderboards, it was it was receiver-heavy. For a lot of uh, of a lot of the top teams, yes, Christian McCaffrey was was in the mix with those, but it was a lot of receiver heavy teams. So I'm with you there. Yeah, I would say another lesson, and maybe this is one more for you than me because I feel like I had more shares. But <laughs> rookies can produce at tight end, James. Oh yeah, there's no question. I mean, Sam Laporta 
I mean, is he tight end one next season? Oh boy. He's certainly in the argument for it, right? I mean, he's, he's top five. And especially now that TJ Hawkinson's hurt, it's not going to be Travis Kelsey. I mean, Trey McBride's probably going to be up there, but point being is it's a changing game. We used to say it took it to a third year receiver to break out and eventually became a two year receiver. Now we're seeing rookie receivers make this big mark. Now, tight end, we said I can never do anything as a rookie. And every year, there's seemingly there's a, another guy taking a step forward. Tight ends are only going to get more athletic, more strong, more big. So you just got to play the board. Find where the value is. Don't get caught up in these preconceived notions that are based off of old, very old data in some cases. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we certainly saw tight ends from a rookie perspective have an immediate impact. Heck, I went and traded to get Laporta in my buddy's league because – I saw that there was no doubt he was worth uh, he was worth a weekly must start. Um, so Dan, I'm, I'll tell you. I, I guess maybe my other big lesson learned. I had a lot of Drake London shares this year, and I still believe in the player. But I think you got to identify these offenses that you do and don't want to be a part of. And whether it was you know in Atlanta's case, whether it was the quarterback situation, whether it was the coaching situation, um, there are certain offenses that you just are better off getting away from and you know you could argue well hell uh drake london is the wide receiver one on his team and you know every wide receiver one deserves to be on a fantasy team well yeah deserves to be on a fantasy team but uh do you want to have to make those decisions with players that can be left that can leave you holding the bag i mean we can say it with kyle pitts too in atlanta but understanding that uh you know certain offenses are going to continue to disappoint others will continue to thrive, know the systems and, and how they're going to work out. And I would even uh, put that to maybe not so much the offenses, but the Rams were a team, and we'll get into them obviously a lot here in this conversation, but they were a team I, I completely neglected. Like, you know, I love the Bengals this year coming in uh, two years removed from that Super Bowl, but somehow I neglected the team who won the Super Bowl. And when Stafford got healthy, man, that offense was very fantasy worthy again, and I neglected it all together. Well, uh, I mean – Part of that was we did just didn't believe in Cam Akers. Well, it turned out we were right there. But still, Stafford was an I mean, Stafford was going at like QB twenty this year. Oh, um, there's no and, doubt, dude. And, no and doubt. just ignoring some of these things, basically having my blinders on, not only to the Bengals' perspective, but like I just oh, I love this value that Drake London was presenting without really. Well, part of that is we all get caught up things. in group think too, right? Because yeah. if enough people start saying a team's going to suck, you just start thinking it sometimes, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're part of the noise, so. Uh, that's it. Really, the final lesson, James, and I think we've already spoken to this throughout there. And I think this is a lesson in fantasy and in life is just being flexible, man, willing to change your mind on things. Right? Mm-hmm. As you said, you made a trade for Sam Laporta mid-season. You wouldn't have drafted him, and I mean, no matter how far he fell at some point. But the, right. at the end of the day, like you have to be flexible on players. Yeah, I might have been all in on dude, but at some point, if dude ain't doing it. You got to move on, right? Like how many people stuck around with Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony a couple mm-hmm. weeks too long? Or y- you get the point, man. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a fluid game. Now, at the same time, you don't want to make too many hasty decisions and sell the Ford. There is a fine line, but I feel like sometimes in my older age, I I'm just get stubborn in my ways. And like I said, this is a life and in fantasy. And I think just being more flexible, that's, a, that's always a good thing. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we're not perfect. If I was perfect, I would have won the the fantasy championship millionaire money three years running. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Uh, you wouldn't know me anymore. I'd be living on a beach 
with with Wi-Fi just to draft my fantasy teams. You would still know me, and I, I would still do this podcast with you because I need something. <laughs> oh, to do I between, appreciate that, dude. Between drinking my uh, my beach cocktails, <laughs> but the reality is, right? I mean, like we we acknowledge the fact that we're not perfect, and you're absolutely right with that, Dan. And that's something uh, you know from rookie running backs, maybe something I came to to the to the uh, realization that not only can rookie running backs be good, they can thrive. We're seeing it in other positions too. We've seen the receivers come to uh, come to fruition quickly, and now we're seeing it with tight end. You're you're absolutely right. Don't uh, don't be afraid to just look yourself in the mirror and go, "You missed on this one." Now let's get better from it. Hmm. Well, I think those are some good lessons. Anything else you got to add to the list? Uh, not for now, Dan. Not for now. All right. Well, then, from lessons learned into recognizing some of the performances, good and bad, I guess. In our Fantasy Football Award, our Fantistics Fantasy Awards for 2023. And James, I mean, I know a lot of times we talk about value when we talk most valuable. So when we talk MVP, though, in fantasy, I think to me, I mean, it's a one-person race. And it goes back to a lesson we learned in, uh, with running back, and it's hard to come by and, and unless you drafted Christian McCaffrey this year. Now, it was unfortunate that he got dinged up in the third quarter of championship week after 100 season. But here's the thing, dude. 58.9% of the teams that had McCaffrey on their roster on ESPN.com, they made it into their finals. And M- Mostert, he came like 10 rounds later. So based off ADP, clearly he was just probably the most valuable player off his 21 total touchdowns he had going into the final week before he was hurt, which equaled McCaffrey's mark uh, after week 16. But the fact is, is McCaffrey had, before even week 17's game, 37 more catches than the Miami running back, outscored him by 7.5 points per game. So the big-name receivers, there were receivers. I mean, the only other name, in my opinion, that even adds up here is Tyreek Hill. And uh, I think in Hill's case is a guy that uh, you know certainly had a, a couple games that we, he was dinged up with injuries and some hot and colds, but by far, by far the best player at his position. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Dan. Um, I've, my vote goes to somebody you didn't mention, C.D. Lamb. Um, so I went back after the main events had processed. I play in KFFSC. I play in FPC. Uh, the common denominator amongst all the teams in the top 10, minus one, was C.D. Lamb. Christian McCaffrey was on one of those teams. I know he got hurt in week 17. These are cumulative uh, either three or four week main events. CD Lamb's the answer to me. Um, and I'll leave, even in a week where Dak Prescott didn't do anything and they faltered in Buffalo, CD Lamb scored a touchdown. CD Lamb undoubtedly is fantasy playoff MVP, which is what those stats reflect. Yeah, and well, certainly in the case in the argument, I mean, you're going to look at more fantasy champions that have C.D. Lamb in it than Christian McCaffrey. So I guess that is right. But when you compare Lamb versus the next four or five players at the position in scoring, the gap is minimal. Christian McCaffrey outscored the next player at his position by seven and a half points over the course of 17 weeks, which I'm basing my MVP award on. Okay, I, I go with Lamb, and I would argue that I'm not worried about in position with the first round. I'm worried about points. Not, not versus the other positions. We don't we don't rank Travis Kelsey versus the other tight ends. We rank him. No, versus but what the makes other Kelsey so great picks. and drafted so early is how much he overscores other tight ends. This is all right, James. We both get the handout awards. Uh, CD Lamb, my fantasy playoff MVP. Christian McCaffrey, my season long MVP. I would have had either of them on my fantasy team, but yeah, right. Fantasy bus. Maybe we can agree here. I'll stay with your Cowboys, <laughs> and I'm going Tony Pollard. 
yeah. Kelsey, you know, he's been disappointing, but if you look at the numbers, I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're still decent. Tony Pollard, of the healthy players drafted in first and second round this past year, it's hard to argue anybody, any position was a bigger bust than Tony Pollard. And, you know, Pollard had 64 red zone touches, second most in the NFL before week 17. Rico Dowdle had the same amount of touchdowns in the red zone with 47 fewer touchdowns or touches. Mm-hmm. That's significant, dude. And oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Pollard, I know when his volume went up, the average yards were dropped. But I mean, dude, uh, they need a running back in Dallas. They absolutely do. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to give my nod to Pollard, but if it's not him, it's another first round running back. And uh, I kind of took out some of the guys, you know, the the receivers that got hurt, Chase Jefferson. I kind of took them out of the mix. I look at Bijan Robinson. I look at Austin Eckler now. I know Eckler got hurt, but when he returned, he gave you nothing. Um, he never you know, was I, healthy, I don't think, dude. Which I do believe could be very true. Uh, because we know Justin Herbert played through some injury uh, before he eventually succumbed to it. So you may well be right that Eckler never did get healthy. And Bijan Robinson, I mean, I guess he was better than Tony Pollard. I'm willing to give them all a nod. I can tell you that I had a an okay Pollard team in spite of him. Uh, I did not even have Bijan Robinson, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, uh, I didn't have many shares. But the thing is, is I'm more optimistic Robinson is going to be something next year than Eckler, especially if uh, Arthur Smith is no longer in Atlanta. Oh, if there's no more, if there's no more Smitty in Atlanta, Bijan's still a first round pick. So I, I wholeheartedly agree that uh, I still believe in him. Yeah, well, they're all bust in my book. My comeback player award, James. I'm going Baker Mayfield. I know that uh, there's a lot of names here that can be considered, uh, and I'm just looking over again. Not trying to look at where we're at here in December's comeback player of the year. Fantasy football is a long season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over the course of the season, Baker Mayfield's the guy for me. I mean, right now, you're talking, I mean, yeah, the division sucks, but he's about to, you know, with a win this week in, in week 18, you know, he's led them, the Bucks to, you know, a potential division title. He's a top 10 fantasy quarterback through 17 weeks of scoring. And, you know, I mean, clearly Lamar Jackson, I mean, this is your MVP here, but you know, before week 17, Baker Mayfield had nine more touchdown passes and 400 more passing yards than Lamar. Now I, and then the same, I passer rating 96 passer rating. So, uh, over the last stretch of the season before his, you know, he got a little dinged up there and it was disappointing week 17. I mean, five of the last six weeks, I mean, you're talking about a guy who was in the top 10 QB nine in that stretch. So What's he coming back from? He didn't have many, too many great seasons, but he had another good fantasy season or two. The guy was number one overall pick. And I think he's going to be the quarterback next year in Tampa Bay. I don't know that I can argue that one, man. Um, you know, I've seen people float Dak out there. I'm not sure that he's kind of the uh, the answer. Tua Tagovailoa uh, is a player who I would put right there, but I don't know that I can argue uh, with Baker. I mean, the other guys that I'm looking at, it'd be another quarterback and Matthew Stafford. You know, I'm not sure that uh, Calvin Ridley did enough to to really get me going in that regard. Matthew Stafford, but I don't, dude, I don't know how you beat Baker Mayfield. I think he has the answer. Yeah, I mean, Joe Flacco is a popular answer right now. Because I was saving it- him for the waiver conversation, but dude, Joe Flacco's probably going to win comeback player of the year, right? I mean, unless yeah. DeMar Hamlin does get it. Yeah. 
It should like be interesting. In the NFL, not ours, right? Yeah, I'm just talking fantasy. But again, I mean, Joe Flacco is a four or five week thing, so it's just it's just hard. To, yeah. Not not to set aside the story. Now, you know, much people are loving the story, but at the end of the day, I don't know if that is uh you know, enough to give the guy a season long award. These are the season awards. So fantasy bust, we've done fantasy MVP. Uh, let's talk a little bit about best late round pick. Now, this is where I actually had Raheem Mostert. Okay. Uh, you know, you're looking at, depending on the ADP source, anywhere from 11th to 13th round in, 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 in August drafts here, James. So, uh, so I'm looking round 10 or later. It's hard to beat a guy that had 21 touchdowns. The answer is Raheem Mostert, but we can't just, you know, we, we've got to give some other options as well, but I don't think. Yeah, Look, well, there's I, a couple I, other names I'd probably put into the mix, but they're going to get other awards for me. So that's why I so, went with Mostert here. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, Jerome Ford. Look, I mean, he was a guy I told you, you should handcuff and w- with uh, with jeez, um, uh, Nick Chubb, and he was been really good. He would go in the mix. Obviously, Mostert would better. Adam Thielen. I mean, he was really good for a while. He was terrible. At he the just end of really the tailed off, but that was more on the rest of the team. I think. Yeah, and he didn't have another t- – he had like four touchdowns the first six weeks, then he didn't have another one. It was sort of like Sam Howell at quarterback. I mean, Sam Howell looked like, oh, my God, this guy's top 10 fantasy quarterback, and then he wasn't. He kept getting he benched, benched in games. <laughs> uh, but those are names – I mean, you could throw in uh, Rasheed Rice as well, but those are the names I would put up against Mostert. Mostert's got to be the answer, though, man. Yeah, Mostert's the answer. And like I said, uh, I've got to give my guy Nico Collins an honorable mention because mm-hmm. – I was talking about him on this podcast in April and May and June. Yes, you and were. he did finish his wide receiver 17. And this was another double-digit round guy. But I couldn't put him past Mostert. But I'm going to make him uh, – he was a nominee. Nominee for late-round pick of the year. My most exposed late-round pick for the record. And it didn't convert for me, but that wasn't his fault. No, it wasn't. Waiver wire pickup. A little different. Guys that weren't drafted. And James, I did some research, and Kyron Williams went undrafted in over three out of four uh, Yahoo leagues. So yeah. he's he's a guy that I think was mostly on the waiver wire. And, you know, I'm talking about how much I love McCaffrey. He's McCaffrey's the only running back that scored more fantasy points uh, at running back over the last six weeks of the season than Kyron Williams. Uh, there's no question he'll be the winner of this award. I mean, unless you think Puka Nakua qualifies. Well, he'll, I think I'm going to give him my next award. Puka was actually drafted in about twice as many leagues. I figured it or as not, much. Yeah, he was drafted a little more. Um, man, j- just just what an amazing year from both of those players uh, on that Rams offense. I yeah. have a well, couple let's other go ahead. I would th- yeah, I mean, if you've looked at just Kyron Williams, though, let me ask you this before you get into Puka Naku and, and other players. Where, I mean, you know we're going to be doing our first draft for 2024 on the show in January. So, like, where does it? Where does Kyron Williams today, what you know today, and I know there's a lot of unknowns in the offseason, the Rams offense, blah, blah, blah. But if you were drafting for next year today, like where's this guy going in, in the draft round? I, what round? Uh, I bet you he's going to be a second rounder. If he's not a first rounder, wow. I will not make him a first rounder. He's not going to be in my top five at running back. Um, Is it safe to say he should be in everybody's top twelve at running back? Top four rounds. I mean, is that a, yeah, a modest pick you? based off of what we know today, without the uncertainty of new additions? I think so. I yeah, think I would so. agree. I would. I would be hard pressed. I bet you I have that. zero shares. I bet you I have zero shares because yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how we things go. See. I'm not ready to proclaim shares and things, but I am looking forward. We will be doing some January drafts. You know, I get you involved. They're all mock drafts. They're not for real, but it is a nice exercise to start my offseason rankings process. So, mm-hmm. uh, but no, dude, Kyron Williams, definitely the guy there. And, you know, um, you can't really speak more to what he was able to accomplish. And like I said, our, even though he missed a month of the season, James, RB7. The guy missed a month of the season, and he's RB7 and a half point PPR leagues right now. So, yeah, unbelievable. Actually, actually that and a half point PPR leagues, I had it sort of wrong. Uh, he's in total fantasy points, he was RB3. So, I, 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 I apologize for the bad sorting there. So, RB3, even though he missed a month of the season, he only played in 12 games. Yeah, unbelievable season. Uh, other names you would mention, I mean, C.J. Stroud in one quarterback leagues was a ni- had a nice run before the concussion. Joe also, Flacco. also a nominee for rookie of the year. Yeah, uh, and Joe Flacco, I think. Yeah, I mean, you got to talk about him as waiver wire pickup because <clears throat> if you turn to him at quarterback and you continue to turn to him, you continue to pay massive mm, dividends. Dude, how many super flex leagues did he come in and save? I mean, everyone he's on. I mean, in one QB in one QB leagues, yeah, he got some looks, especially after all the injuries and such. But in two QB leagues where he was scooped up, he was starting right out of the gate. Oh yeah, and yeah, three hundred yard game. So good story there. But we're going Kyron Williams. We already mm-hmm. sort of teased it. We're going Puka Nakua as well for our rookie of the year, and. We'll talk about some other rookies in a second, but let's start with the guy that really deserves the top honor and uh, drafted in the fifth round by the Rams, James. I mean, that's just crazy to get rookie production by and then by a fifth rounder. And man, does he pass the eyeball test? Mm-hmm. I sure like does. the physicality of which that guy plays football with. Mm-hmm. Could that lead to injuries and other things? I mean, dynasty stock right now. I mean, Puka Nakua. Is definitely a guy that, I mean, is he a surefire wide receiver one, James? I mean, is this a guy that just locked into your ranks right now? Is it a top 12 wide out next year? No, but he may well end up being there, right? Like he's easily top 20. I don't know well, if he's top well, here's, 12. Here's what I do know. What I do know is as we sit here in week 17, you're talking about a guy that's got a hundred catches. Uh, and we know that, uh, you know, Obviously, he he has a chance to break Jalen Waddle's rookie record of 104. So this is pre week 18. We don't know what's going to happen there. And then, uh, you know, in addition to that, 118 yards in week 17 puts him just 11 yards away from Jamar Chase's rookie record for 1,455 yards. All these records have been in the last few seasons, so something to it here. But fifth round rookie uh, James, I mean Puka Nakua, undoubtedly the rookie of the year. C.J. Stroud. If he wouldn't have gotten hurt, mm-hmm. I think um would certainly be in the conversation even in fantasy and certainly in real life as well because quarterbacks do get that favor. But I don't know. Laporta, I mean, obviously we've talked about him a little bit. He's been pretty solid, but really nobody else that's even in the same ballpark. Jameer Gibbs definitely came on down the stretch. But, uh, I mean, Jameer Gibbs is probably the runner-up from a fantasy perspective, really, if you look at it. I would think so. I mean, you could give Zay Flowers a look too for what he did here in the the very end of the season. But I thought it was those lion the Lions duo uh, were really the big the big argument against Puka Nakua. And there were a lot of other rookie producers come on strong down the stretch too. We talked about some of the tight ends. Obviously, Rasheed Rice. 
mm-hmm. a guy that uh, certainly a big factor down the stretch, even with the Chiefs struggling coming out of it there. Jordan, Jordan Addison, Madison. I think, is another player that, uh, I mean, he was had more fantasy points than Zay Flowers. So a couple really big games, not the consistency that Flower offered. And before he got hurt, dude, Tank Dell was just tearing it up. He sure was. He sure was. C.J. Stroud called for him, and he got him, and it, and it looked good. Problem is, is that's a big injury, and he's a little dude, so I do have some concerns there. All right, so we've done our rookie of the year. We've done our waiver wire pickup and our comeback player of the year. Fantasy performance of the year. Now, this is where I was going to get into the C.D. Lamb conversation, uh, breaking all the Cowboys records. But, dude, it's got to go to Amari Cooper in the week before the Christmas miracle for fantasy managers that had him playing on Christmas Day. 51 PPR points, I believe it ended up being, James. Mm -hmm. That, to me, I didn't really enjoy it on my own team as much because I didn't have him in any shares except best ball, but uh, my wife had him, and she was sure happy, and that made for a good Christmas. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um, (laughs) I'll tell you what, man. There were a few performances. So Amari Cooper was on the winning KFFSC team um, in his big performance from there. Obviously, C.D. Lamb, and it wasn't just Week 17, but Week 17 was a monster. Uh, what about the breakout performance from Devon Achan? Now, that only played in best ball leagues, but that was a 40-plus performance point performance that uh, we'll have to recall, and that will certainly play a lot into how we view our rankings next year as we get into those. What about, Dan, uh, Devontae Adams on Sunday of the championship week. He put up 30-plus points in in PPR leagues, over 10 catches and two touchdowns. So, I mean, he obviously wasn't as good in getting players there, teams there. He carried some teams. And, Dan, I know it's not – and, by the way, I probably will go with Lamb myself, but I can go with Cooper. But we got to give an honorable mention to David Njoku for the stretch run. I know it wasn't the – you're talking one-week performance, and I get that. But with Joe Flacco – David Njoku had 6'10", 6'6", catches. Those are each week 27, 26, 16, 17. Those are the number of PPR points he had in each of the last four weeks. That's the playoff stretch. I didn't really have David Njoku on a lot of teams, but I couldn't help but notice how impressive he was in a somewhat barren landscape of tight ends. So I got to give the guy an honorable mention. Yeah, uh, well-deserved honorable mention. I had a couple honorable mentions, too. My personal favorite, because I have him in a, a lot of teams, was DJ Moore on the Thursday night game versus Washington. Uh, I was actually in Washington that night, I think. Maybe that's why I was thinking. It was actually against Washington. Now I'm second-guessing myself. The opponent. <laughs> yeah, it was Washington. I was in D.C. Uh, for business, and they were playing up there, and dude went off DJ Moore. Eight catches, 230 yards, three touchdowns. I that considered awesome. him comeback player of the year, but I guess he wasn't quite as bad as I thought last year. Yeah, and then but he still I mean, had a dude, nice year. I know it seems like 16 years ago, but uh, Tyreek Hill and Tua Tagovailoa in Week One of the fantasy season. Tyreek Hill, 11 catches, 15 targets, two touchdowns, 215 yards, and Tagovailoa on the other side of that, 28 of 45, 466 and three. James Rapine, our buddy, had that combo in Dream League. I can remember, like, oh, my gosh, he's going <laughs> to smash it this year. He did end up winning the title, but uh, it was with Jordan Love at quarterback. whole different story. But, James, uh, two attack below and, and Tyreek in week one was definitely uh, pretty memorable in the grand scheme of things. And with a week to play, as we record this before week 18 happens, they lead their respective positions in yardage still. So it catapulted them both into a great season. 
Yeah, so there were other performances. Those were just a few that stood out to us. Uh, let's get into more of our awards and biggest injury of the year. And James, I mean, gosh. I mean, Nick Chubb was a first-round pick that went down so early, so he's certainly in the mix. Then you got Aaron Rodgers, four plays into the season, which was just probably the biggest hyped injury of the year. And then you have our own personal heartbreak, which was Joe Burrow. And it was it the calf injury sustained in training camp that led to the 0-2 start, and then only for him to like come back and look like his old MVP self before suffering the wrist injury. I'll never forget the image of him flapping his arm after trying to throw the football on the screen. It's like, mm-hmm. if there's true things flash before your eyes and there's moments for your death, that's going to be one of the shitty things I think of <laughs> in that moment of thousand flashes. Because, dude, that one wasn't just bad for Burrow. And that's why I think, yeah, Chubb was bad and but it's these quarterback injuries that sink entire offenses. And was there an offense that was invested in as much as heavily of the Burrow, Higgins, and Chase that just really that the those two injuries to Joe Burrow, pretty big fantasy impact. So those are the three biggest in my eyes because of when they happen and how they happen. But dude, there have been so many injuries. There's certainly many more for discussion. So you bring up Burrow, and I don't know. I know old Bengal heads, they'll tell you that the best Bengal quarterback ever is one that never really gets talked about, Greg Cook, because the injury stopped him from ever becoming what they hoped he would be. And now I like look at Burrow injured year after year, and I'm like, oh, my God, is this my fate? Is this what it's going to be? I hope it's not. I know that's glass half empty there, Dan, but I couldn't help but uh, share that reflection with you. But I have an answer to you as far as whether or not another offense was as affected as greatly by quarterback injury. And by the way, Nick Chubb may well be my answer, too. Um, and, you know, you said what what I, I think was worthy there. Nick Chubb, look how good the Browns would be with Nick Chubb right now. Like, that's a bad injury for them right now yeah. that they found Joe Flacco. But then, uh, conversely, they had such a great injury with Deshaun Watson because they probably wouldn't even be where they're at had he stayed healthy. It's it's sadly true. And that's what why about- Browns fans, as excited as it is, it's like, dude, your quarterback for the next five years is still Deshaun Watson. <laughs> probably so. Probably so. But they've got a chance this year. What about Kirk Cousins, Dan? I mean, I, I will say this. From a selfish uh, standpoint, his injury happened late in the game. So it wasn't one of those devastating injuries where you didn't get points from a guy you were hoping to. But Kirk Cousins was on an absolute roll. Kirk Cousins was leading the league in passing when he got hurt. Hawkinson was having a good year. Now, I know Jefferson was hurt at that point. Uh, but Cousins was rolling without. I mean, fine an Osborne, fine an Addison. Yeah, Cousins might have been. I mean, Justin uh, Jefferson, based off being the number one overall pick. I mean, dude, it's just been brutal. So we can give out a lot of ones on this, but I've I've got one more though. I have to share, Dan, because it probably cost me a decent chunk of change. In FPC, I needed just a mediocre night from Christian Kirk on that Monday Mm. night game you were at in Jacksonville. That was that was, and I I had just traded for him in two leagues, so it was great. And he goes down, he makes a catch, he goes down, and that ends the season. I win, I mean, almost undoubtedly. Washington, the replacement for him, uh, had like 15 PPR points. I win going away that night and advance to the finals of my FPC league because that was week 12, which was round one. I'm sorry, week 13, I think, which was round one of FPC uh, division playoffs. That was the biggest injury for me because I had a team with Christian Kirk. That team had C.J. Stroud, who ended up being hurt too. But, uh, I mean, I didn't end up making the main event by a sliver of points, a small margin. Who knows how it would have gone. But that was my biggest one. But I think Nick Chubb's got to be the largest fantasy universe injury, right? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely Nick Chubb's the the real winner of the award here. I feel uh, bad for him, dude. I hate the Browns, but gosh, I feel bad for Nick Chubb right now. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he can come back. Hopefully he can come back. But uh, overall, I mean, just about every fantasy manager had at least one of these injuries we've talked about or a couple others that really doomed him. And what just sucks is, like, I hate watching any football game when a dude's get go down like flies. It's like, ah, oh, it's the it's the brutal part of the game. But it is a physical game that we love, James. And I like things- winning, Dan, but I don't like winning against depleted teams, right? Like, no. nothing, nothing – Nothing is as gratifying and meaningful as a victory against an opponent at their best, not a, a defeated weekend opponent. Yeah, so we've got a lot for this. Will be the final episode of our season three of the Fantastics podcast, and God willing, we'll be back here for season four sometime this spring. And if you want to keep up and be alerted to that, the best way to do so: subscribe to the podcast. Do it wherever you listen. You can get each and every episode as we drop that. You can always find it and all the tools you need to win in football at insiderfootball.com, insiderbaseball.com. If you're getting ready for those baseball leagues, be sure to check out the Draft Advisor as it launches here real soon. And James, it's 2024. We come to this in early January. uh, So we've got a whole new season. We're going to be spending January weekend mornings over together on Saturday and Sundays too on Sirius XM Fantasy. So we're not done talking yet, but... uh, it's been a lot of fun this year on the podcast, dude. It, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to some Tuesday nights without having to talk to you every week. But other than that, uh, you know, it's still been a good time. It's been a great time, Dan. I'm uh, very, very much looking forward to getting after it again here very soon. And as uh, if I could paraphrase the great Jimmy Buffett, paraphrase the great Jimmy Buffett, Dan, I'm, I'm on the clock somewhere. Yes, <laughs> usually are. But that will start <laughs> soon enough. It's been good times my friend uh and like i said be sure to subscribe and hopefully we'll be back here to start talking some off-season football real real soon for james adams i'm dan claskins thanks for listening to another edition of the fantastics insider football podcast